Hey guys, and welcome to this uh, edition of the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Now, I've got to explain, um, we are very lucky enough to have a few very well-known sort of celebrities living around our area, and uh, one of them is such is a legend, and he is the, the very famous John Wagner, who created Judge Dredd, amongst other great things. And he sat here with me today. Thank you for sitting with me, John. My pleasure. Yeah, we, um, I think we met each other a while back, just before we were doing the, the comic Salopia like That's the build, right, yeah. the build up. We did uh, that awful interview that we did. Well, it was the uh, the interview was fantastic, but the uh, the air conditioning was left on, <laughs> and the audio quality was terrible. I felt so embarrassed having to release that. But now we get the chance to have a proper sit down and a chat. So thank you for coming on the biscuit. It's really good. Um, now you are famous for creating one of the most uh, iconic characters in in comic books, Judge Dredd. And I was having a good read of your Wikipedia a few days ago, obviously to research for this. But, I mean, your Wikipedia, by the way, is very extensive. <laughs> it goes on a bit. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. brilliant, though. You know, it's not entirely accurate, but it's uh, pretty much there. Who writes that, then? Because I know people just add to it. I've know? got no idea. I have a feeling that the late Stuart Perkins did a lot of it. Yeah? Because uh, it's very uh, complimentary about me, and he was. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I found it really fascinating um, because you're attached to, you know, obviously Dread was, was one of those things. I mean, I was reading about the uh, the beginnings of Dread, and it was quite, it was quite it seemed quite awkward for you at the beginning because you created this character that you had to kind of step away from, from what I read on Wikipedia, if that's correct. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> um, it was during the creation of 2000 AD, and uh, I was working with Pat Mills, who was the main creator on it. And in fact, it's his comic. And the idea was that we would be given 2000 AD to produce ourselves and sell as a package to IPC. But a few days before publication, the uh, managing director called us in or called Pat in and said, no, I'm sorry, we're going to do it in-house. <laughs> so I said, to hell with that. I'm, I'm not working on this anymore. So, yeah. so I left until poverty drove me back. <laughs> And I bet you're glad you did. Oh uh, yes, yes, it's worked out all right. Yeah, when you when you, when you guys were putting Dread together, was it one of those things where that you you knew you had a hit, or is it is that the way you feel about everything you kind of create? Does that make sense? Well, I'd been editing a comic called Valiant before yeah. that, and uh, one of the characters I introduced was a tough New York cop. And we used to do this popularity poll in the comic. You would, when you send in a letter, you would vote for your three favourite stories. Oh yeah! And once I this this cop story went in, it doubled the previous popular, wow. s- most popular stories votes, and it stayed like that all through my run. And I knew that a, a cop story, a tough cop story. An extreme cop story yeah. was going to work very well. I didn't know it would be such a hit, and I didn't imagine that it would never leave the comic. I mean, my idea was it would probably run for maybe sixteen episodes, have a yeah. break, come back. If it was popular, it might come back for another sixteen, but that would be it. Yeah. Well, it's run for over forty years, so it's, it's done really. We well. did something right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you hit the the. The, the right time for it all like there was all those cop dramas on tv 
you know, yeah. you know all that kind of stuff, and you kind of did things that TV couldn't do with Dread, I suppose. I mean, I remember looking at um, 2000 AD when I was a kid. My dad used to have some like lying on the coffee table, and I remember like uh, eight, seven or eight. I looked, and it scared me. <laughs> Lots of skulls and blood and stuff. But that's what it's aimed for. It's aimed for. Yeah, like, well, two, eight, 2000 AD was supposed to break the mold. It was. Yeah. It was a follow-on from the other comic Pat did that got removed from the shelves called yeah. Action. Yeah, because it was too extreme. But we were fed up with the sort of milksop stuff kids had been fed. And we, yeah. Like when we did a war comic, we wanted to actually see people killed, because I mean that's the reality of war. Whereas the comics that IPC were doing, you had guys that would go into a raging fury and bend tank barrels with their teeth, <laughs> and it was just so unreal. Yeah, and reality was quite important. And initially, what was the reaction to that? kind of on a on a kind of big scale do people you know, accept it straight away was there a bit of pushback oh, oh there was quite a lot of pushback yeah uh, especially when we were doing battle picture weekly uh, um it was pat mills and i did it uh for the girls comic department yeah uh and of course all the boys comic department were up in arms about what, what are they doing a boys comic for <laughs> But, I mean, it was so popular and it really was the beginning of a big change in how comics, uh, uh, the content of comics. Um, yeah. And um, it did take off. I mean, it's, it's now got two movies made out of it, the, the TV series that's apparently coming up. I mean, we, we hear stories and stuff, but, you know, you never know what's well, coming. Well, they're still working on it. I think yeah. it, eventually it'll come out. But, uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad they're waiting until they get what's right. You yeah, know, to bring out a bad series would be a big mistake. Yeah, and I think you know, I mean, we can sit here and we can slug off uh, the the uh, it was it ninety four Judge Dredd movie with Stallone, but it was at that time when everything was all very comic booky and kind of, you know, Stallone was was the shears, wasn't he? You know, so yeah, it, it was a pity that they didn't um, stick to the character, and that's, yeah. I mean it. it in terms of production quality, it was excellent. The, the, the recreation of the city was amazing, yeah. really good. Yeah. The uniforms, some of the characters as well. But they attached it to this really cliched plot that had nothing to do with Judge yeah. Dredd, and that was the shame of it. And in a way, uh, because of that m movie's unpopularity, it sort of s uh, spoiled things for the second movie when it came out because everyone thought oh dread we don't want to see that again yeah. and it was a totally different movie it was that carl urban film is unbelievable i love it i love that so much um that bit where he's like, i am the law you know yeah. oh, that oh, carl, carl got him really well it was uh i went down to south africa to watch some of the filming and you could see Carl before every scene sort of getting his chin in place, right? <laughs> Molding his face to be dread, and he did a really good job. I've got, I've had, I've had a new appreciation for him recently with the boys on Amazon because that yeah. is, oh my God, that makes me feel emotional watching that because they're like very much like what 2000 AD did when it came out. This TV series is breaking the mold. It's kind of like, no, we're not going to do Superman as everybody wants it to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, just making, making these movies. What does that do to you as a, as a, as one of the part creators of Dread when it great creates like a global success like that? Does it affect your work ethic? Um, does it make it harder for you because the pressure's on? Oh, no. Oh, oh. 
all told it was a pretty good thing yeah you know, it doesn't so. doesn't do my rep any harm yeah uh it helped me buy my house um <laughs> 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 uh, and uh, I mean, it just was a pity it wasn't a better movie. But a lot of people love it. And, yeah. and it's actually, I'm told with DVD sales and everything, it's actually broken even now. Well, fantastic. Yeah. That's good. And like, I, you're right, it is kind of one of, I mean, that's how fil- films tend to go sometimes, is like, they won't do very well in the cinemas, but they become like cult classics. Like the whole Kevin Smith thing, you know, the clerks and things that, you know, yeah. don't do well in the cinemas, but creates a huge following, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that I speak to about that, that um, the second Dread movie is, is, is adored by people. People love it, you know. So, yeah. yeah, well, it's, it was a big hit with the real Dread aficionados. Yeah. You know, it was Dread. Yeah. Yeah, some of the, some of the imagery from that, especially when the, she's falling at the end and she's got the slow-mo in her and she's yeah. taking forever to fall down. Um, so... What is it like for someone like you that's, that's you know, comic book royalty going to something like a Comic-Con? You know, there's lots of people surrounding you and, you know, wanting to get your signature. What's that like for you? Is it good ego boost? Is it hard? Uh, well, <laughs> it doesn't hurt. Uh, it's uh, a lot of the fans have become friends. So it's always, oh, that's it's nice. Like, it's like, a, you know, a meeting of old friends now because they generally come and see me, say hello, yeah. spend some money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I quite enjoy. I like meeting the fans. Uh, I think 2000 AD fans are generally a, a very intelligent, likable bunch. Uh, yeah. Comic fans yeah. in general. Are, I mean, if you're a comic fan, you're not out stabbing somebody after <laughs> a club night. And yeah, yeah. You know, comic fans are generally pretty decent people and pretty intelligent as well. Until they get on Facebook, and then they start with the comments. <laughs> uh, well, there are a few. Yeah, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about documentaries and things that have been released lately about um, celebrities that get bullied online and things, you know, cause, uh, and I think the, the ultimate advice is just don't go into those comments section. Do yeah. you ever do that? Do you ever, like, wonder what people are talking about you on Facebook? And yeah, I, I, I see a lot of comments, yeah. Um, what I don't do, try not to do is get involved in pointless discussions like, I used to do a lot on Brexit, oh, but yeah. what's the point? You never convince somebody that doesn't agree with you in the first place. So, you know, you just end up wasting your breath and getting in long, pointless arguments. I um, I was talking about this on the other show that I do, and obviously I've got to be careful with my wording. Um, uh, I was caught. I was I was just turning it to um, an unwanted social media assault I can't use the words I word on, word on it but it's like one of those things that people just force it's like here goes Brexit it's kind of just there it's forced upon you yeah. and then I complained about it then I found myself doing it myself kind of just like oh look at this everyone look at this you know it's one of those things at the moment just everybody's talking about and the the, uh, the conversations do get vile yeah it, it's quite bad it doesn't matter what side you're on you know um, but yeah Facebook has become a different place, I think, because of all that. Yeah, well. Yeah. Um, blah, 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 blah. History of Violence. I didn't, do you know what? I've got, to, I've got to hold my hands up. I watched that film a few years ago and I had no idea it was like a comic book franchise. No, never, never mind. Something that you no, Neither me. did David Cronenberg <laughs> until very near the end of filming. He didn't know it came from a, a graphic novel. And is that the idea? Is, is that like quite liberating for you guys that make comic books? Well, well, the thing is, if you if you sell the rights to a property to Hollywood, generally they don't want to hear from you again. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't even know they were filming it. Oh, uh, wow. I didn't go and see the filming, and 
you know, sort of take the money and run. <laughs> uh, it was a Cronenberg, though, so I had confidence that it would be a pretty good film. It was a, it was a brilliant film. It was really well filmed, <coughs> and it just it, it kicks like a 12-gauge. Yeah. Bam, straight, here you go. This is what's going to happen in this <laughs> film. Like, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah, I've, I, I, we were talking a bit, the comic salopia, slobberknock, I think I call how sometimes it's great to do comic books that aren't superheroes like dread like history of violence because you want people to realize that you know comic books aren't just no they cover any subject you like yeah yeah yeah. there's such a wide range of comics yeah and you know like uh, you and charlie have kind of done that with walking dead and dread i suppose and you know that's good that's a good Mm. thing I, i get you know people spending more money on comic books they wouldn't normally spend money on um so you came. You saying Dread helped you buy this beautiful house, and it's on the outskirts of Shrewsbury. I was reading about you, and you started off in America, right? That's where you're from. Yeah, yeah. There? I was born there and uh, came over here at twelve. Yeah. A sort of um, a war marriage that broke up. Yeah, yeah. And I've been here ever since. Yeah. Um, you prefer it here, though. It's, it's beautiful here. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I consider myself to be Scottish. Yes. My mother was yeah. Scottish, so. Yeah. But I've lived in in Shropshire for longer than I've lived any place else. We've been here over twenty years now, yeah, and eleven years in this place. So yeah. I'd be happy to be carried out in a box. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, I was driving up here, and it's one of the most delightful drives I've had. I mean, I, I came here. I got here way too early. I was like, I'll be here at eleven or half ten, I think I said, and I made time for traffic. There was no traffic. I, I thought I'd get lost. I didn't get lost, so I was kind of t- rocked up here early, which is very unprofessional, so I do apologise no, for that. don't worry. Uh, I uh, used to live in Suffolk, which I thought was incredibly rural, yeah. but Shropshire, that is rural. Yeah. I mean, some of the roads I was coming up here were quite hairy. They're quite narrow. <laughs> like, if someone comes hurtling around the corner now, what am I going to do? Yeah. yeah. And they take them at 60, usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you get to go out into your shoes be much? Do you like going, popping there to do some shopping or whatever? Uh, well, we go in about once a week, otherwise I get cabin fever. Yeah. Uh, so we usually go in for a meal on a Friday or Saturday, yeah. and occasionally I'll go in shopping. Yeah. To my outfitters, Marks and Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a, a wonder man. And now my little boy started at school. I find myself like, oh, let's just go for a walk into town. No reason to go into town. Just wander yeah. into town. And just you know, I've become a bit of a mall rat now. I'm kind of just <laughs> standing around like, want to be on the podcast? Uh, but Shrewsbury's a very pleasant town. I really like it. You know, it's, it's beautiful. And you know what, you guys, uh, like you and Robbie Morrison and and and, um, and Charlie and, you know, all these amazing creators and, you know, there's people like amazing artists. You see, you go on Instagram and you type in artist Shrewsbury and it's, just, it's uh, surrounded by absolute ta- raw talent around us. So we, there's you know, quite a few, yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, is, it, is it a coincidence that you guys have all kind of ended up here or is it like... Yeah, I think it is pretty much. I think Robbie might have moved here knowing that he had friends yeah, yeah. here. Uh, maybe thinking, well, you know, I'll stay if I like it. Mm. Uh, but uh, the rest of us, we just occurred. <laughs> it must be something in the water. Yeah, yeah bring people here. Well, I came here because uh, my partner, Jenny, uh, is a director of Redan Publishing. Okay. They moved to Shrewsbury because their boss is from Shrewsbury. Oh, fantastic. And so they moved, and as I'm a freelance, I can go anywhere. I just came with her. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. And what's the process? Do you do a lot, a lot of your work here and send it over, or do you have to go somewhere to actually do your work? No, I try never to leave the house, <laughs> except, <laughs> except on Friday or Saturday when I'm going for a meal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do everything by computer. Uh, I don't like using the phone. Yeah. So email's been such a boon to me. I don't even have to speak to people You're anymore. a whippet on email, I've got to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm typing out a message, and he's replying to the one. It's <laughs> quite funny. So you send away the scripts, um, and where do you send it to? Who's who? Where well, do it depends artists? what I'm doing. Like if it's a 2008 a dread script or a strontium dog or whatever, I send it to the editor who then sends it out to whatever artist he's chosen. And then when the artist has drawn the the pages, I get the art back, and then I, I edit the script to the art. Because oh, okay. An artist doesn't always follow your directions. Yeah. Like a script is just like a movie script. You tell, do it page by page, generally, and you tell the artist what's on every page, how many frames you want, the, what's happening in each frame, and the dialogue from the characters. Okay. And then the artist takes it and he messes it up. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> the artist d d does his thing on it, and uh, you get it back. And sometimes you, it's very difficult to make sense of. What's yeah, I been imagine because you're not just a scriptwriter; you're almost a director. Cause yeah, you're pretty telling, much. Yeah, yeah. you're telling people where they're leaning and how they're looking out of a window and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and the artist is the actors. Yeah, yeah the the cast. Yeah, uh, but generally, I've been lucky enough to work with really, really good imaginative artists, so I don't have much trouble i mean uh, occasionally you know making a script makes sense yeah but generally you're getting great artwork back so yeah and um is there a, is there a, um a project that you can think of the first thing that comes to your mind where it's been just an arduous back and two of just like you're not getting it right is there anything that you can think of um no i tend not to i, I tend to, i i can't think of a time recently when I've um, sent the script back to the artist so to be redrawn been lucky, yeah. I mean, it's because my artists are good yeah, you must be your writing you must be attuned to your writing <laughs> well, you know? well generally I, I don't overwrite a script Yeah, like, I don't use ten words when I can use one and sometimes when I'm describing a frame I'll just say read the dialogue and that leaves a lot of room for the artist to yeah. do his or her own thing and it, that that is quite a difficulty at times is um like i'm designing a couple of posters now for the biscuit i want to get some posters on town and it's like i need a few like a, a phrase to put on the poster and you, you're trying to slim things down as much as possible and it's quite difficult to do that you know mm. and it's a skill an absolute skill um this is a, a question I, I thought of that i didn't want i didn't want it to offend anybody really but i, I thought it's quite an interesting question to ask and that is like is there a point when when something it becomes mainstream and it's, it's there, dread, 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 TVs, games, this, that, posters everywhere, is there a point where that does not become special anymore? Like, is there a point where it be, you, you get used to seeing what you've created everywhere? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. I don't really regard dread as special to me. I mean, it's meant a lot to me, yeah. but, you know, it's just dread now. Yeah. And I don't write many more, many of them these days, just the odd one. <laughs> Uh, the reason I ask is because I, I got I got a, an article written about me in My Shrewsbury by Katie Rink. It was beautiful. I opened it up. I saw the picture. I nearly cried. You know, <laughs> I was going. Oh. <laughs> 
And yeah. uh, I, I, I was thinking, maybe if I do become like, you know, the pod king of, of Shropshire or something, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But like, if that ever doesn't become special anymore, um, do you have to like pinch yourself sometimes just be like, Dude, you made this. This is what you've put together. Well, know? if it's something like uh, my new project, Rock, yeah, uh, I mean that. I mean, love getting the comic, looking through it. That was, you know, that's still a wonderful feeling. And I still remember the first thing I ever wrote, seeing it finally in print. That was just amazing. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. and and that that feeling. I mean, still persists, but it's you know, you do get used to things. I can imagine so. You know, it's it's kind of natural, isn't it? Let's talk about Rock of the Reds. Where did that come from? It um, stemmed uh, it's about 25 years ago. Alan Grant, my frequent writing partner, uh, uh, who's written Batman and Lobo and done a lot of American stuff. Uh, I love Lobo. Uh, we used to do our day's work and then we'd meet in the evening to, to do special projects. And this project we had in mind was... Um, a, a, an old-fashioned anthology comic, British-style, three pages per story. Yeah. And uh, we were looking for a football story because they all had football stories. Yeah. And we said, how can we make a football story different? I know, one of us said, let's put an alien in it. <laughs> First alien footballer. Yeah. And we thought about that, and uh, yeah, we could we could see how that would work. So we wrote the first script, which was, I think, just a three-page script. It might have been six. And uh, along the way, we realized that if we went ahead with this comic, it would bankrupt us. <laughs> so we stuck everything away in the ideas file, and bit by bit, ideas were used and other things. But not, at that time, we called it uh, Rom of the Rovers, a play on Roy of the Rovers. Yeah, yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah uh, we, well, about... Four years ago, five years ago, I was looking for something new to do. Yeah. And I went to my ideas file and pulled out ROM of the Rovers. Mm. And I read it again and I thought, this is just too good to be sitting in a drawer doing nothing. Yeah. And so I'd been talking to uh, Shah Nazir at BHP Publishing in Glasgow. That's a small independent publisher, but quite a good one. And he said, well, you want to do something for us? And why not? I was, I was going to publish it myself. And he said, why not let us publish it? And I thought, yeah, well, that's not but a bad idea. Work. <laughs> well, it's one thing I don't know much about publishing. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's, it's, it's not something I, having done it on the latest one, it's not something I enjoy. I yeah. mean, I, I like to sit and write and that's it. And edit a bit, but publishing. So anyway... Um, BHP published it, and uh, uh, we've now on to the second series, which is called Rock the God, where he becomes the god of football. No, he's not actually the god of football, but he, <laughs> he gets elevated to godhood on his home planet. But that just means is that because of the football? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. The World Cup, football's yeah. an impediment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading this. I've never, I haven't got around to reading it yet. And I did say to you on the Slobberknocker, I was going to buy one, but I get distracted by one thing and then another. And I did try to get this today, to, uh, before today, um, but I couldn't. But I'm really looking forward to reading it. I, I was interested in how how this was received in America. Um, did you get a lot of American? feedback about it well i sent it to one american publisher and they said i don't think there'd be any interest <laughs> here for it so a, we have a few american readers but not many but yeah. with it being no um shortlisted for um, 
Teenage Comic of the Year. Fantastic, 20, well done. 2020, that's by the Scottish Book Trust. I mean, that kind of thing helps. And yeah, of course. Maybe it'll, it'll uh, get some leverage in America from that. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping this Kickstarter we're running will also get more interest up in America. We'll see. Yeah, talk about the Kickstarter. So you're moving on to Rock of the God now. Um, and of course, you know, this looks good. You've given me a... a of the first issue and it looks great um it's not released yet properly um what's the goal with this then Let's uh, talk, talk about the the kickstarter what you're trying to well we just want to do it we love rock you know it's, it's such a pleasurable experience and the people who who have latched onto it really love it and we there was never a thought in my mind that we wouldn't do a second series uh so here we are the idea is we've only published one issue and we're hoping to go straight to the graphic novel after that. But we don't know. If the Kickstarter succeeds, well, it'll be straight to the graphic novel, which is a 120-page full-color book. Yeah. Uh, it uh, concerns Rock's elevation to godhood and the trouble that causes for him with people who think he shouldn't be a god or his, his own uh, um, species. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, back on Earth, it's Radford Red's promotion season. <laughs> and uh, Rock, being their star player now, uh, in the guise of winger Kyle Dixon, uh, they can't really do without him. Uh, the club's been taken over by Malcolm Greedy. Uh, I'm a Manchester United supporter, so... Oh, a, dear. <laughs> certain links to Malcolm Glazer there, <laughs> who's an asset stripper and wants to sell Kyle Dixon, Rock's alter ego, to Real Madrid. Oh, dear. Uh, so, uh, meanwhile, uh, the real Kyle Dixon, who's been miniaturized to the size of a Barbie doll, <laughs> escapes and goes on the run with another miniaturized a character, a referee, Nigel Bull. <laughs> so there's this crazy miniature buddy movie going on right through the story. And I could see it being a movie. It sounds yeah, it sounds like um, almost, it's like a lot of comedic, you know, um, enjoyable moments in that. That sounds really good. And now look, listeners, I, I really want to help, um, help John because we're very lucky to have uh, John Wagner, you know, the John Wagner living in our, in our doorstep. And if we can help him, um, get this this work of art on, on you know up and running. Um, we'll hold hold a party in my house if it does well. There you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, what, where can people find out about well, this? Well, Kickstarter? the Kickstarter launches on October the second. Okay, um, it's called Rocktober. Rocktober, uh, I like it. And uh, you'll find out about it on my webs, my uh, Facebook page, Dan Cornwell's Facebook page. It'll yeah. be all over. Yeah. The comic side of Facebook, you won't be you won't be able to miss it. Well, we'll we'll share a lot of that as well. Both on both shows that I do, we will we'll give you as much support as you oh, need. That's you know? good, yeah. So yeah. I hope people can get aboard. We've got quite a lot of good um, rewards on offer. Like um, there's uh, original art from the great Simon Bisley. Uh, there's actually a, a rock statuette that's been uh, only thirteen of them will be sculpted, and we're that's up for offer too. Mm. Uh, original <laughs> scripts from me, wow. Alan Grant, um, an original Batman script from him. There's uh, sketches by Dan Cornwell, you know, plus, of course, the graphic novel. 
Yeah, that is. That's it? what we want you to have mainly. And, you know, even if, like, because I have a lot of listeners that listen to my show that aren't, you know, very comic book savvy, you know, it's not for everybody, but, you know, this is for everybody. You know, if you can help John make this, this, um, this graphic novel, you will be helping other people enjoy his art. And, and you know, he's a local um, artist, you know. A writer. Right, that's what I mean. Like, I, was, <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, he's an artist of words, you know. He kind of paints, like we were just describing, you are a director, you, you tell people what, they're supposed to draw and what you, your vision is and you've got a skill that is a very important skill I don't think many people can do that people that can do that are, are very talented and I feel like we should be backing you on that so you know if, if anybody could uh, jump onto that Kickstarter from uh, October 2nd and just, just uh, the equivalent of buying John a pint you know <laughs> ch- chuck him a couple of quid buy him a pint yeah or a few pints yeah and I did see someone who was doing a Kickstarter a while ago uh, I think it's pretty local actually that was like um, the way I approach it is just buy me a cup of coffee. Yeah, you know, so buy someone a cup of coffee is so like two, two, two fifty. Like Chuck, yeah, you, go, you bought yeah, me a coffee, yeah. you put it into Kickstarter. Yeah, but we, we want to give you something. We want you to read the yeah. graphic novel. Yeah. It's one of the things about it is that it's accessible to every age. It's not like Judge Dredd where you might yeah. worry about your youngster reading it. Yeah. It's it's there's nothing in there that you could object to. So it's for six to sixty. Or, yeah. or 90. Yeah. Uh, we do have readers like over 70 that love it. And we, a friend of mine um, from Shrewsbury uh, couldn't get her lad to read. And she, he, he's, uh, I think he's nine. She gave him a copy of Rock of the Reds and she couldn't get it back off him. <laughs> so it's also, you know, a really good learning tool. Yeah. Because it can pictures and words together. Are much more encouragement for a reluctant reader, and I always find that you know everybody has a different approach to everything, you know. And when it comes to that, he saw football, he saw comic books, and he just immediately attached himself to it, and it's helped him go on. And that's beautiful. I love that man. It's, it's, and it's the same; it goes across every sort of field of you know music and mm. art, uh, movies. I mean, there's uh, the example of Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. There was an autistic child that was that absolutely attached himself to Drax because Drax is super. He, he's just as he is. He's very literal in how he says things, and that's very that's like an autistic quality. And he attached himself to that, and it helped him go on and you know live life normally, which is great. I love that. Um, so this is fantastic. What do you do? You have any much to do with Dread still? As well, or are you just putting all your work into Rock? No, I do the occasional Dread, but uh, I'm gradually fading out of it. Uh, yeah. In a couple of years, I probably won't write it anymore. You say you were saying to me that this, you wanted this to be a sign-off, really. Yeah, rock. this is my last big project, uh, unless someone comes and offers me a million quid to <laughs> do something fairly simple. Well, it's possible, man. Amazon, Netflix, you know, they're all doing these yeah. uh, this comic book things, yeah. and I feel like you know, you, there's a lot of the these comic book uh, programs that have been made lately, like the Umbrella Academy, like like uh, the boys that are made for an older audience. I think it's about time that, you know, these companies picked up something that was more for the teenagers. Yeah. And this would be the perfect um, pr- project, I imagine. Yeah, so. I, I've sent it to a couple of um, film people. The, uh, one of the directors of Clark and Will Films said he loved it. He would, he would love to make a movie of it, but he thought it was going to be too expensive. Yeah. I guess that's with all the extras in a football yeah. crowd. Yeah. yeah. But these days you can CGI them on. Yeah, I mean, you can make it a cartoon. I mean, cartoons are just as... I mean, look at Rick and Morty. He's yeah. like the biggest thing on the planet. You know? True, yeah, it would be a good cartoon. I think so. 
Um, you know, uh, I feel like the the deep, you know, like how Marvel's kind of killing it at the moment, the cinema, and I feel like DC with the Batman stuff, with the animated movies are just as uh, as brilliant, you know. Mm. And it should goes to show you get some good voice actors on a cartoon, Rock of the Gods, Rock of the Reds, it'd be brilliant, I think. Mm. Yeah, so. Are you doing a lot of travelling with this then, with the uh, Comic-Cons? Are you going Yeah, places, I'm doing quite people? a few now that I've got rock to promote, uh, yeah. new rock. So I'll be uh, I'll be in, um, let's see, Glasgow next weekend. Yeah. Leamington the following weekend. Yeah. And then uh, towards the end of October, I'll be doing London MCM. Fantastic. Then Thought Bubble and Harrogate. I think that's me for the year. I hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, um, the, the, where, where you are at the moment, you know, you can choose, you pick and choose where you want to go, and that's great. You know, I've got some friends that are going to MCM. I'll send them your way. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully in your review books. Um, but this is really, really good, and uh, I really do wish you the best of luck with this, John, you know, um, because it's not easy, is it, to go from... I mean, that, yeah, let's look at it that way. What is it like going from something as big as Dread to making your own thing, you know? It's been a real experience for me because uh, I've never actually done the whole thing myself. Yeah. And it's been bloody hard work, I can imagine, tell you. <laughs> Peddling everything I, by yourself. Had I to do it again, I might say, oh, well, maybe you should still publish it for me. You yeah. Know? But uh, yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, and it's good keeping everything in-house. Yeah. And one other thing is it's been nice to be able to employ people whose work I really like, like uh, Abby, the colorist. Yeah. She uh, she lives in Manchester. She used to work in a comic shop there. And her colouring has become so much more subtle and, and lovely. It's really beautiful. And, I mean, it was good in Rock of the Reds, but in Rock the God, it's just first class. Dan Cornwell, the artist, when, when I uh, decided I was going to do the comic, I had to find an artist, but I couldn't afford to pay normal rates. So what I did was look through all the fanzines. These are comics that people who want to be professional artists do for free. I met a few of those guys at Comics Alive. Yeah. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are really talented. Yeah. And the one I picked out was Dan Cornwell. And he was driving a bus in Brighton. And he said to me that he got this email from me as he was driving his bus <laughs> along. So, have you ever drawn football and would you like to? <laughs> And he said he thought it was someone hoaxing him until he got back to the back to the depot and was able to text me back. And <laughs> what so a nice I, story. It's been great. I mean, since since he drew this, he's been able to go full time freelance and quit the buses, and now he's a a dread artist. That's beautiful. He's been yeah, that's it's beautiful. Great. Uh, well yeah. done, well done. That's really good. It's yeah, pass on the. Yeah, it's, it's nice helping people up, you know, giving them a little boost. Oh, you're helping me as well with this brilliant interview <laughs> that we're doing, you know. Um, and, you know, thank you again for, for letting me do this. So hopefully we can try and get you on Thorskin. Uh, that'd be really nice because um, there's a lot more re more of a relaxed vibe. We can kind of have a can of beer and... Talk dirty. Talk dirty, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we will, <laughs> I guarantee it. But this has been fantastic. And um, maybe we can catch up with you once this is released um you know we can catch up with you how see how rock of the gods is going you know yeah. we can do an update and uh, of course we'll probably hear more about you from comic salopia when that's back on next year you know if you know we yeah. is it coming back next year I've, it's just, is it biannual i think it's by yeah, yeah. biannual so 
Uh, maybe the year after then. We'll, we'll catch up with you at some yeah. point. But thank you very much. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, John Wagner, and uh, I've been really, really uh, privileged to speak to him today. Uh, make sure you follow him on Facebook. Have you got an Instagram as well? Are you on Instagram? Uh, Rock of the Reds. Uh, uh, Rock's on there. I think it's called Red Rock. I'm not sure, but yeah. Rock's on there. Yeah. Um, make sure you follow him. Um, I let other people do all that. <laughs> that's just too difficult for me. Any links that we've got, I can share. Uh, make sure you give John a good follow because, you know, like I said, he's just on our doorstep and he's a superstar. And, uh, you know, if you, if you listen to this and you're not a big comic book fan, just pick up a comic book, you know. You know, you never know. You might find yourself enjoying it, and uh, yeah, there's some good ones out there. Yeah, there is. Uh, I'd love, there's a few favourites of mine. Uh, um, yeah, it's nothing better than just curling up on the sofa uh, with your tablet or your a natural physical comic book and just enjoying a story. Mm. You know, and I'm going to enjoy reading Rock of the Reds. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome, John. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. Um, make sure you join us next week and um, we will keep you keep you guys up to date with how rock of the gods is going make sure you check out that kickstarter thank you very much guys and peace out